What's up, everyone? Welcome to Inside the Glass. This is where we take a closer look at how ordinary people do extraordinary things. Vans is one of those shoes you don't really have to do much. There's not much to change. If it's not broke, then why fix it? Today's episode is about Vans. Chris, this is a brand I love. It's comfortable, it's authentic, and it's stylish like me. <laughs> yeah, admittedly more like you than like me. I'll give you that. Today we're talking to Nick Street, the VP of Marketing for Vans, and he's a great dude. Uh, what do you like about this story? Well, I like I like the authenticity between the brand and the brand leader. Yeah. Uh, today's podcast is going to be about uh, creative self-expression, uh, and I think you see that in Nick and in, in his upbringing. Is certainly you see that in the product. Uh, there's also this idea of story doing. Vans doesn't uh, go yeah. around tooting their own horn and touting their accomplishments. They just go out and do some amazing things, and Nick will shed some light on that as well. When I was a kid, I grew up in Germany skateboarding, playing music, <clears throat> um, and obviously went to school, did my A-levels, and didn't really quite know what I wanted to do. Um, so my mum was like, hey, why don't you have a look at what the what the UK has got to offer as far as universities are concerned, and throughout... Um, Throughout the time growing up, I've always been the one who was driving the van, organizing the band, organizing the show, um, organizing the skate contests. Um, and I came across a brochure of um, a university in Bournemouth, and they had a course called Events and Promotions, which was the first BA honors in, in events back in the day. Um, and I was like, well, I didn't know that you could actually study events at the time. That wasn't a, really something you could do. Um, so I applied for the, the course and, uh, and I got in and I packed my car with my records and my, my instruments and I drove from Germany to the UK um, and that's really where the journey began. First thing you had to do was organize a wedding and after the three years, a real wedding for someone. Um, and after the three years of the course, um, I finished with a, with a festival where I was doing a skate contest and some some uh, some music accompanied by that. And uh, out of that, I got offered my first job. The title sponsor was Eastpac. I needed five grand to fill the last bit of the money to make the festival happen. And they were so stoked on the festival that they offered me a job after that. And that's, that's where my career began, basically. So I was doing Eastpac, which is owned by, um, by BF, the same company that owns Vans. Um, and I did that job for three years and we shared an office with Vans. And at the time, the marketing manager left and they asked me if I wanted to come and do marketing for Vans in the UK, um, which I happily took on. And then I was working in the UK uh, for a couple of years. Um, then I went to Switzerland to our head office, our European head office. For a few years, I oversaw first uh, all the markets. So I was looking after 40, 40 markets, the distributors and direct markets. Um, and then I was the brand manager in, in EMEA and then um, they asked me if I wanted to go to Asia, to Hong Kong, to the APAC head office to head up marketing there. So I did that for just over three years um, and then I moved on to the head, headquarters in Costa Mesa. And I've been there for just over a year now. You know, Ryan, I don't claim that Nick and I have a ton in common, but the one thing that we both shared is a willingness to uh, go wherever the opportunities took us. I had yep. a chance to speak the other day at an entrepreneurial gala and uh, told a little bit about my story. 
And my very first big job, which was with John Deere, was in a, a Raleigh, North Carolina. And of the 200 uh, MBA grads, only four of us got on the plane to go interview at John Deere because most of them kind of rode off Raleigh, North Carolina as a place that they'd want to live. And I didn't think about it as a geography. I thought about it as a chance to work for a journey. Yeah, and part and part of a chance to get to inside a Fortune 100 brand. At the time, they were the fourth most powerful brand in the world, behind like Coca Cola yeah. and Mercedes. And uh, I, you know, for the listeners, worry a little bit less about where you're going to live, and worry a little bit more about how you're going to make an amazing living. You don't have to follow whatever the trend is. Just be yourself. Dress for yourself. Do whatever feels authentic to you. When you think of clothing, Chris, and creative self-expression and standing out, you, you need to be tied to culture in some way. And it doesn't always have to be uh, rock and roll or skateboarding. Lululemon did it through just healthy living and yoga. Um, but it's a crowded space. How do you stand out? And I think creative self-expression is at the core of that strategy. Uh, totally. And he had that great line about, you know, they don't need to be aspirational as much as they need to be Correct. enabling. So finding people that are already uh, representative of your values and of the persona that you want to be. It's about how do you make them better at what they're doing as opposed to try to create something new that other people have to now find. And I'm challenged by this, Chris, and maybe the listeners that aren't uh, the CMO or the marketing director or the entrepreneur that doesn't run vans but maybe runs a B2B company. I hear this all the time in boardrooms that, oh, we're not Harley-Davidson, we're not Converse, we're not Pepsi. Well, you in B2B, uh, there's still people buying from you and it still needs to be emotion. It still needs to be tied to something, to someone. And I've been challenged by listening to this story, even for our businesses, Chris, that who are our people? How can we enable them? And I know with Communo, for instance, we need to enable the small to medium-sized agency entrepreneur. They live a tough life. How do we help them? Yeah, it's, I, it's I, look, I look at like Salesforce. Salesforce is pretty unsexy yeah. and it's pretty B2B. Uh, it's pretty procurement driven, but they've created this thing called Dreamforce for I think, uh, think 100,000 plus people yeah. now descend on uh, upon San Francisco to be able to take part of that. And so uh, I think you have pretty limited imagination if you think that you're the exception and that these rules don't apply to you. Correct. Let's talk about self-expression. Since the, the first day when the brand backed the, the misfits, um, the surfers and the, the, the skateboarders, the underdogs, and really upholding the underdog spirit. Um, and then through the years evolved into some of the other cultural pillars that we're supporting with music, art, um, street culture. They're also linked to the to, to surf and skate where we come from as a as a brand. When the Vendorans started in a in a disruptive way, supporting those audiences, um, it was always there through thick and thin. You know, skateboarding wasn't always popular. You know, skateboarding was a yo-yo once upon a time where it was a fad. Um, but Vans is really stuck with supporting those cultures um, and being an advocate for those cultures and, and enabling those that are in those cultures with our athletes um, that we're supporting. So that's really at the heart of what we do as a brand. Um, it's absolutely about inspiring, but it's as much about enabling as well. So um, say as you do is definitely something that rings true to the brand and you can really see that with the affinity that the consumers have with us. We have athletes who are musicians as well, um, who are artists as well. And um, I think that transcends all the way through um, what we support. If you're thinking about those four pillars, they're at the core of what that is about is 
creatively expressing yourself, whether you're on a skateboard, you're doing that, or you're drawing, or, or you're playing an instrument. Or, or in most recent times, you know, um, if you're a barber or if you're a chef, you know, we, we've started to support some of the chefs out there, you know, those are also artistic forms of creative self-expression. So not that they become a, a brand pillar, but they're certainly part of that street culture piece. You know, if you're talking to a kid today who's, who's uh, a streetwear kid who's standing in line, right, um, they would probably tell you that they're creatively expressing themselves in the clothes that they're wearing. It's at the heart of what we do. We, we support that individuality and, and you can see for the athletes that we're supporting um, and who we choose to align ourselves with or who are, who are joining us in our quest and, and they're all doing something differently. They really stand out from the crowd. If you go way back where it, where it started, when you look at people like Tony Alva, who was really the rock star at the time, who was, you know, wearing spandex at a time where people weren't wearing spandex, you know, maybe some of the, you know, um, that, um, that really transcends through when you're looking at who we're supporting and just how they show up. Um, and that's really the, the sort of gut instinct that we have as a, as a brand. You know when someone... Um, is uh is right for the brand and is uh, and is a supporter of the of the brand. Um, so I think Tony Alva back in the day is a is a good example all the way to to um, probably the 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 modern day. If you look at someone like Alex Noss, who's a surfboarder, longboarder, who's really reinventing the game there. What you can do on a on a surfboard. Um, so yeah, we're always looking for those that are doing things differently. can do me the best. I can play how I play better than anyone in the world because it's me. You know, Ryan, I love the fact that, you know, Nick just talked for a few minutes there and we're not talking about shoes, you know, or clothing. It, Vans is, and Nick in particular, I think, is just so passionate about their customer, uh, their desired audience, uh, trying to find ways to enable them, trying to find ways to uh, add legitimate value to their lives by understanding their their needs their uh, and their insights. And that, that's one of the things that so many companies get wrong is they build something and then they go out and say, now who's going to buy this? Well, is yeah, it? they're companies. They'll never be cult brands. Hey, to, to what you just said, I love. It gives me like goosebumps what we've been trying to build for seven or eight years now that if you're just transactional, no one's tattooing you uh, your logo on their body. But if you are an enabler and you're there for them when you when you needed it, you know, or when you needed a boost of confidence, that's uh, you're wearing a swoosh uh, sweater right now, a Nike sweater. It means something. It makes you feel something. And uh, when you go to enabling, it's a powerful word. And those listening right now, it's a, it's a business principle. If you want to go, you, you can be a company or you can be a cult brand big difference. As a matter of fact, let's talk about it. Their tagline off the wall, we're just talking about Nike, just do it. A lot of taglines are manufactured in boardrooms. Not all bad. We do it. We make a living off that. Um, but the best taglines and the best uh, expressions of the brand in a manifesto or in a, a one-liner, uh, they bring forward the essence of the brand, I think, of Las Vegas. You know, what happens here stays here. Uh, you know, they may have made that up in the boardroom of r and partners, but that was the essence of the people that live that brand. And I think we're going to hear some stories here about how off the wall Van's tagline is so real to their culture. You live it up 
Yeah, I mean, off the wall is what we live by, you know, and that's that's um, that's really the filter of for everything that we do, and that's the it's not just a tagline; it's really how um, internally and externally we want to show up. It originally comes from back in the day when um, the kids were jumping over the fences, skating empty um, pools and backyards, and um, coming off the wall was basically coming off the wall with the with the skateboard. Um, and that came really became synonymous with an attitude, um, but it's really a, a skateboarding term in a way um, from back in the day that's really stuck with the brand. But obviously, as the brand grows, we want to ensure that people really understand what Off the Wall stands for. kind of made a family connection, you know what I mean? From our street family, which was the Z-Boys, to the Van Doren family. And we actually started to communicate with them with design theory, but also with the plan to market the product. product we're selling is so much more than just a commodity. The emotional connection that our consumer has with us as a brand and the way that they show it is something that um, certainly makes me get up in the morning and go to work and you know not every day is the is the same. The stories that we get back from the consumer um, about what they've done in their shoes, um, how much they're thanking us for providing a platform for them um, is, is really inspirational. So for me it's yeah we're selling shoes but actually um, we're doing more than that. We're we're supporting people in their in their personal endeavor um, to to express themselves creatively and and you know I guess do better in a way. We were at a music festival. Um, uh, called the MIDI Festival in China and we do something called the House of Vans which is basically the, the manifestation of all of our brand pillars and um, we're sort of standing there on the, on the booths and we were doing some um, creative workshops around basically drawing on, on paper shoes, it's sort of a somewhat of a paint by, paint by numbers kind of workshop um, and we were looking down and there was this kid who was drawing this incredible um, piece of work on, on the shoes and me and the marketing manager of China at the time, we went up to, to him, Duan Isa he's called, and you know, we're like, hey, um, how are you doing? Your work is amazing. Um, you know, he was like, thank you and very humbled. So we stayed in touch with him and three years later he ends up being in the brand campaign for the brand. Um, we didn't go out and seek him. He came to a workshop and became a part of the brand and today he's very much part of us as a brand and the stories that we tell. And that's the, those are the stories that, you know, give me the goosebumps when you're sort of discovering people, you're meeting people um, and you're really giving them the opportunity to, to, to shine in a way. Um, we don't go out with casting agencies or, you know, try and find who these people are. A lot of these things are happening, happening very organically.
You know, Ryan, as you are well aware and fix, the book that we wrote that kind of highlights the cult brand principles, we dedicated a whole chapter to a principle called co-creation. And the whole idea that uh, marketing used to be valued by how well we could talk, how clever or funny we could be. I mean, right. the Super Bowl is really the epitome of these commercials of who, who told the best, funniest story. But what Vans is teaching us here is the idea of how well can you listen. Uh, and sometimes brands need to shut up and just listen yeah, more. Yeah, look. And uh, look around them and find the people that are doing the things that they want to shine a spotlight on because it's the best reflection of the brand. And I think, you know, one part creative self-expression, but also just one part any brand that even doesn't have creative self-expression as part of its core pillars could adopt co-creation and allow other people in uh, to help tell their brand story. And I think as Chris, as the agencies evolve um, – and social media takes over, co-creation will be put to the forefront even more. And it is. We see it happening all the time. And um, you really need to step back. And Nick is talking all about that and let the customer take the lead. And when you do that, and, and the stuff they did in China, I was just looking at it, scrolling through the pictures and showing you uh, here what he was talking about. It's amazing to see the creativity. And often agencies, they won't go away, Chris, I don't think. You almost become custodians or remind them what they have right yeah, in front of their and face. curators of that content right. versus creators of it. Yeah, it's still storytelling, still important, still you need to make it uh, tidy and clean, uh, but let the customer tell a story. It's powerful. Lots of buzzwords in our uh, line of work, Chris. Authenticity is a hot one right now, often overused. What do you think? Well, I, I think it's one of those ideas that uh, it's it's become so commonplace because it's become proven so powerful. Yeah. Uh, and cliches are often true, uh, but I think Nick explains it best. Let's hear what he has to say about it. You know, all all I do is what I know. I like I said at the beginning, I didn't I didn't start in marketing to become a marketing manager. I was skateboarding and playing music, and I sort of fell into that because there was a cultural fit there. Um, the marketing stuff I learned, I did a little bit of that, you know, but the marketing stuff you really learned along the along the way by, by doing that. Um, so it doesn't really feel like I'm going to work, you know, it's it's you it's a true making your passion um, work. And, and the world's really blend, you know, the friends that I have are people that I work with that I've met through the through the job, you know, I met my wife through the job. So you know, it's it's um, it's much more of a lifestyle than just doing a nine to five. If we're doing a nine to five, Vans would not be where it is. There's a lot of high levels of passion at the at the brand, and as you're going through all of the offices, not just the HQ in Costa Mesa where the brand is from, but the the level of passion in the European office and the the APAC office is is super high. You know, Nick talks a lot about this authenticity just literally being authentic. It's just who he is. I love the fact that he found his wife through the company because yeah. it just attracted like-minded people as well. I'm, I'm curious. So let's see if he can tell us a little bit more about uh, what keeps him motivated and how and what kind of uh, inspires well, him. Yeah, and I, I, I want to hear it too. Um, I think, Chris, it's fun that we get people at the gathering like this that – they they just live these things, so it does come across authentic. But yeah, I'm with you. I want to hear how does he stay inspired to keep cranking out great work, being connected to people, coming to the gathering, meeting people, hearing different opinions, um, getting outside, um, looking at what other people are doing is an is an important one. Um, just staying sort of hungry, you know. 
and we talk a lot about being hungry and humble at the at the brand you know not letting sort of your ego get a get away and just try to stay connected as much as you can which i think is getting increasingly more difficult in the in the world today you know like back in the day you weren't a hardcore you could follow all the hardcore scenes around the world right um today like trying to figure out what's going on in any one of those genres is is near on impossible we're going to take a quick break here and hear a word from our sponsor we'll be back in a few moments it's time for work to get better faster easier funner take a look it's time for Communo, the community made by marketing freaks for marketing freaks. No clients allowed, just us. If you're good at what you do and you want to do more of it, then join us. We made it easy, which is the total opposite of hard. How does it work? Say you're an agency owner and you're swamped. You need a writer or a designer or a videographer or whatever. Or say you're a writer or a strategist or a social media manager and you need a gig. Communo helps you two hook up, but not like Tinder. That's gross. We help you find a match and then get out of the way. Plus, we make sure Communo is loser-free because we've had everyone who applies. For agency owners, it's the low-risk way to grow your business without increasing your overhead or stress. And for solopreneurs who have mastered your craft but struggle to find projects on your terms, it's totally your thing. It's what the kids call a win-win, and we like to call well, we call it a win-win, too. It's how the sharing economy makes marketing services sharier. Communo, the way work should work. Welcome back to Inside the Glass. Chris, what are your thoughts? We're halfway through this, talking to Nick from Vans. Um, but there's a lot of our listeners that are CEOs. Maybe they're employees. Maybe they're CMOs. Um, do you have any thoughts? commentary halfway through this thing. Yeah. What I love about what we've heard so far is that it's all so doable. You know, right. it's too easy to to dismiss these amazing cult brands. It's, you know, kind of with this envy as, well, I'll never be like them. But I haven't heard Nick say anything yet that somebody couldn't go back and apply to their job, regardless of what they're selling. It, it's, it's more about an attitude and an aspiration than it is a category or an industry that you're in. Yeah. Let's, uh, let's hear some more from Nick. We see ourselves as a steward of the of the culture um, that we are that we're supporting. Think about things like the Warp Tour that we started. First time I ever went to Warp Tour was '96. It was just like an insane, never-ending backyard party. First time playing Warp Tour was in 1998. Our first show was in 2003. 235 shows on Warp Tour since then. Skating bands, punk music, ska music. It brought the subculture to a whole new level. It's pretty simple. You come, you play 30 minutes, everyone's treated equally. There's such a variety, different bands lapping over each other. You never know what you're gonna see. We flew under the radar. It was a DIY tour very much. It hasn't changed a whole lot. It's just known now. Warp's never been about how much am I getting paid or that you're, you're in or you're out. It's a, the longest running tour. Um, so it, it's making sure that you're having the right people and you're involving the right people in the brand. Um, and 
doing the right thing and the right thing doesn't always mean doing the most commercial thing um it means really following your gut um and and staying true to that you know and not not this idea of sort of selling out you know um especially as the brand grows I Chris, I have to pile on here. Yeah, me too. Um, this is just my life in a nutshell. Uh, and you're probably the person that takes the brunt of most of it that, hey, Chris, I don't know why we're doing this. Give me a couple months, sometimes a couple years. Uh, it just feels right. And standing up for it um, and allowing yourself to be wrong. That's okay too. But just sometimes, I, Chris, you even sat me with me one time. You're like, Ryan, don't why, do you feel like you have to put a presentation together for me? If you just, uh, you know, if you feel like it's right, let me know. And if, for those listening right now, if you're just thinking of a big idea that you want to tell your boss or your business partner and you don't have it all figured out, it's okay just to go and say, it took me years, 20 years to get there with my business partner to be, uh, not specifically, but to say, hey, I just feel that that's right. Well, I also, uh, I agree with that. And I agree with Nick's comment about, uh, uh, following your gut and not selling out. And unfortunately, one of the ways a lot of really special companies sell out is by going public. And there's a high correlation between privately held companies and cult brand status versus yeah. publicly held because the minute you become publicly held, you shift. You shift your focus away from the customer value into shareholder value. And I, I think it's tragic. I get it. It's a liquidating event for the founders. It's a way to get some capital to grow and to scale. But I've also seen some companies come back from being public and, and get reprivatized again because they want to get back to why they what the founders original vision was and doing the right things for the right reason. And Wall Street has a very short attention span. And uh, what Nick has done at, with Vans is create uh, platforms that are foundational that will bear fruit for years. But that's different than trying to win the weekend or, or to generate some number for the quarterly yeah, return. Yeah. And they're not we talk about authenticity earlier in this podcast, and it's just not contrived. You want usually gut things, Chris. Once they work themselves out, like the gathering we built, it was on gut. We figure out years later that it wasn't gut. It was actually pretty smart. Uh, but sometimes if you can't just spit it out, uh, it's okay. Just go with your gut and, and uh, believe in yourself. That's something that we are so conscious of as a brand to ensure that we continue to do the right thing, that we have the right people in the brand that are doing, making the right choices. And we have incredibly talented people that are coming from, um, they're coming from those cultures, you know? Um, and we have no problem hiring professional skateboarders that want to move into the business side, you know? Um, they're coming from the culture, they have that cultural fit, they know what is right intrinsically, you know? First, it's a lot about giving that underdog the voice to be heard. Um, and, you know, if you, are, if you become famous or you become a celebrity and you still like us and you want to be involved with us, great. Um, but we're not going to go out and cast someone who's famous for a campaign just for the sake of the eyeballs we're going to get. For us, it's much more about those strong tie connections that we want to build. It's very much a grassroots-based model that we've really continued to to hold up and it, it's interesting as some of those things that we've done over the years have become sort of the trends to do you know purpose-driven experiences influencer marketing you know the brand's been doing influencer marketing since day day one even even before that right um there was a point where we were running skate parks um which 
was probably a little bit too much, too far. Um, but we still have um, an indoor skate park that we're, we're running in California. Um, we build a legacy park in Malmo. Um, we just broke ground for one in Brazil. Um, so we are definitely on the map of building those, those parks um, and, and building them as part of the platform that we're providing. Um, and ideally where we can, leaving them behind. You know, Ryan, let me just interrupt one more time. Vans is just the personification of a cult brand that's living these principles, one of which is uh, make impressions, don't buy impressions. And their, their entire emphasis on the skate park, and I get it, they went a little bit too far and they, they forgot what they really were. They're an enabler of skaters and, and parks are part of that, but they're not operators of skate parks. So I think that's fine. They dialed it back a bit, but they're all about making impressions, not buying impressions. They're about finding ways to generate legitimate value and align themselves with things that their audiences uh, care about. And that, that isn't net new money. That is money that has been redeployed away from mass media and away from markdowns and put into things that actually matter. And if you're listening right now, you should press pause on this podcast and go to your notes on your iPhone or Android and write down a, write down a few things that you think your brand can do, whether you're B2B or B2C, that isn't advertising things that you could do to give back to your customers i bet you the list is long go ahead and do that now All right. I hope you wrote down some great ideas to impact your business. Well, Chris, we just can't go through this podcast talking about vans and not talk to people who actually are true, loyal customers and fans. And so I got a chance to, uh, to look around to find someone. And uh, one of my best friends in the world, Trent Martins, uh, joined me in the studio. So let's go uh, listen to our conversation. I'm here with uh, Trent Martins. Trent, what's up? Timar. How you doing, Giller? Thanks for having me on the show. Yeah. We've been talking with uh, Nick Street from Vans, and you were at the gathering uh, and heard him speak. Why is Vans so important to you? Why do you, uh, you know, love the brand this many years later, 20, 30 years? What keeps you coming back? Yeah, I think uh, for me it was, uh, you know, interfacing with the brand at an early age. Yeah. Uh, and they've been around, I don't know, I think since the 60s, but I got into it probably 86 or 87. Yeah. Uh, and just all the, you know, the guys that you look up to at that age uh, are wearing Vans. Um, yeah. The one thing I love about the brand is, um, you know, it's it's largely uh, stemmed from from their line of shoes from the early days. Yep. Those, those shoes largely have stayed the same. Sure. Do you remember your first or one of your first pairs of Vans or apparel that you still love today? Yeah, it would have been 87 or so. Amazing. Uh, and my my buddy at school, so this is grade five, his dad owned a, a skateboard shop called, what Sk it called Skater Sport Shops. Is it still around? Uh, no, no. Rest in peace, skaters. Rest in peace. Internet took over. <laughs> uh, so, yeah, they, uh, they had a, a little shop. He ran it out of his garage for a while, uh, just selling boards. And um, his dad brought... Uh, Bones Brigade to town. Right, you were telling me that. In like 88 or 89 probably. Um, 
And I saw these guys wearing Vans. Like, um, Amazing. Caballero's always been, you know, true to Vans and I think came out with the half cab probably partway through the 90s. Wow. Um, but, uh, yeah, he taught me how to drop in on a quarter pipe. Amazing. Uh, Max Bell Center in Calgary. Do you ever go to Warp Tour or House of Vans, those types of things? Do you remember any of those moments and how important were those things to your uh, love of the brand? Yeah, like they they seem to have stayed true to who they are even with events. Uh, mm-hmm. We did Triple Crown, Vans Triple Crown, North Shore Hawaii a couple years wow. in a row and that event was was uh, insane. House of Vans as well. Like I don't know if yep. you made it to that Big event four. in Calgary, yep. but um, from what I could tell, their their intent was to come alongside Enable. local culture yeah. uh, from artists, you know, musicians, um, skaters. It's it, you know, it was the local scene um, put on you know, um, on behalf of Vans. We're, we're in the studio here and you brought an old uh, Thrasher magazine. What, what year was it? <laughs> uh, that's 87. December edition, 1987. It's pretty haggard. So I was trying to find if <laughs> Vans had ads in these days. There, there wasn't an actual ad in, in Thrasher. Uh, so you could either phone phone them with, with your credit card number yeah. over the phone or mail order. So you would, you would mail them a check. <laughs> Uh, That's amazing. You know, down to California um, or a money order, and then they would they would ship you your vans. Uh, favorite favorite shoe? What style? What, what, what through the years? Uh, well, the high top uh, for sure. I think that's yeah. kind of the classic um, shoe for sure. Um, when you put them on, what does it do for you? What does it express for you as a true Vans loyal customer? Yeah, it's you look at the amount of time that's passed since you know wearing Vans in in the eighties, and that same feeling I don't think ever went away. And it started out as um, you know this idea of individuality and uh, self expression and um, anti conformity, all these things that yeah. we thought we were so badass back then. <laughs> um, but it's, you, yeah, it, it's still the, those relationships that we have with brands like that, um, you know, never, never tarnish or never go away. So I think it's still, you know, a lot of that same spirit just feels like it's still there when you, when throw you put it, it on. It's like, I, I'm that and I'm it's a reminder to you, like I'm, I'm me. Anyways, man, thanks for being in the uh, studio. Let's get back to the story. Awesome. Thanks, Killer. If you work at Vans, you have to be yourself. Um, that's how you're going to stand out. That's how you're going to um, also connect with like-minded people. You, you, can't, you can't put on a show. If you put on a show, you're going you're gonna to get found out. Um, so definitely being, being true to yourself. Um, if you can make your passion your job, you know, believe in that. That's, that's something you can do, you know, and that's, that's, uh, that's exciting when you're seeing like Duyan that I mentioned, the, you know, the illustrator that was able to connect with us as a brand and actually then become someone who's designing shoes and, and apparel for us and being part of the brand campaign and, and doing workshops and things like that. Um, believe in your talent and, and, you know, sort of follow that. Um, and, um, you know, one thing that I always talk to my team about is, you know, own own what you uh, what you wanted to be. You know, that idea of really empowering you, especially if you're leading other people, empower them, 
let them fail and let them learn from from those mistakes you know Vans is a great example of falling down and getting up you know that's the one life lesson that skateboarding will will teach you you're falling down a lot you have to get up a lot before you're landing those tricks you know so um that's something that it's okay to fail um but you have to try different things well chris that was another extraordinary story from an ordinary guy doing amazing things i uh, really enjoyed that you oh i loved it nick is an amazing guy and it's an amazing company You've been Inside the Glass with me, your host, Ryan Gill, and my amazing co-host, Chris Nealon. This podcast was spawned by the remarkable stories and relationships Chris and I have forged at the gathering in Banff, Alberta, Canada. It's a marketing summit and business summit bringing together the biggest, brightest, but most important, the most courageous brands in the world. Special thanks to Nick Street for letting us tell his extraordinary story. Thanks also to our contributor, Trent Martins. Thanks to our sponsor, Communa, for making this podcast possible. Join us for another exciting episode of Inside the Glass, where we'll introduce you to, and you'll get to know another ordinary person with a remarkable story. Also, for more information on how to be part of the gathering, you can visit us at www.cultgathering.com. Again, that's www.cultgathering.com. Inside the Glass was recorded in 2018 at The Gathering in Banff, Alberta, Canada. This podcast was produced by Ryan Gill, Chris Neeland, Daryl Swart, Adam Gill, and Jason Graham. This production was recorded, edited, mixed, and mastered by Daryl Swart at Park Hill Studios in Calgary, Alberta, Canada. Original music courtesy of Wormpoo.